message is really a message of victory. It's a message of triumph. It is absolutely awesome to have a blessed hope for all believers that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. I've been going through a series of fundamentals of the faith. And my fundamental truth that I'm going to present to you today is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This is fundamental truth. And um, one thing I, how many of you saw the, uh, the funeral of Billy Graham? Quite a number of people actually did. You know, I, I watched that and my wife pointed out to me a couple of things that I thought was so key. One thing that impressed me about the life and testimony of Billy Graham was almost everybody that spoke at his funeral said that when he preached, he quoted the Bible. And the content of his message was the Word of God. And I, I take a lesson from that. I trust that when I stand up here, I don't want you to hear my opinions. And I really don't even want you to hear my comments. I'd like to actually step aside and let the Word of God speak for itself. Because the Word of God is living. It is powerful. It is the very life-giving words of Jesus Christ, who is God. It is inspired truth from God himself. And so... I've selected quite a number of verses that I'm going to read, I'm going to refer to, and that is done purposely because I believe that that will speak to your heart stronger and louder than anything that I say. One thing that Jesus said is, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. They are living, they are eternal. And it also says that they will judge men in the last days. So as we read the scriptures today and we look at this fundamental truth of the second coming of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear them as not my words, but as the words of God. So I'm going to have uh, three brief readings that we're going to start from the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And if you have a Bible, if you can turn to it, it would be great. Um, one of the reasons that I have these slides up here is to show you quotations from the Word of God. So um, if you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 14, and we're going to read at verse 2. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now drop down to verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. 
Now turn over to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26, and I want you to notice particularly what it says halfway through the verse. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once, in the end of the ages, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And if you read verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Chapter 10 and verse 37. For yet a little while And he that shall come will come and will not delay. A little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry, will not delay. I would say that the greatest event that ever occurred in history was when Jesus came the first time. And I would say that a very close second will be another great event when Jesus returns to call his people away and when he comes to set up his glory and his kingdom on this earth. Greatest event in history. Before we get into this truth, I'd just like to bow our heads and just ask God's blessing upon our message today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments that we have together to open the scriptures. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in the world to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come and to take the words of God and reveal truth unto us. I pray that today as we look at these scriptures and we consider this fundamental truth of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would take the words of God and make them clear to us, that you would open our hearts, that we would hear your voice, and that you would penetrate us so that we would be able to respond. And if there's any here today that have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that they would come to know the Lord Jesus and be ready when he comes back to call his people home. Bless us today, we pray, as we Consider this truth and look at the scriptures and open your word to us, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. I want to start today by sharing with you what the future looks like. You know, it it goes without saying that if God has communicated to us in the past what was important and where we are today in the present what is important, it goes without saying that the Word of God will communicate to us clearly what is in the future. And I'd like to show you what the Scripture says about the future, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us consider, first of all, what the future looks like 
for the Son. You know, the Word of God makes it clear throughout the entire Bible that Jesus Christ will rule and he will reign on this earth and of his kingdom there will be no end. So the future for the Son is to rule and reign forever. That's an important truth because we're living in a world today where he is despised and rejected of men. In Psalm chapter 2, the Father says to the Son, you can look at this for yourself, the Father says to the Son of God, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. The Father says to the Son, the earth will be your possession. And in Psalm 110, the scholars couldn't even understand what this profound truth meant. And the Pharisees asked Jesus to unfold it, and when he did, they dared ask him no more questions. Because in Psalm 110, the Father says to the Son, Sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. We read this morning at the Lord's Supper. David read Hebrews chapter 1. When the Lord Jesus, it says about him, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Folks, that is where Jesus Christ is today, right now. If it were possible, and I know it's not, but if it were possible for you to look through the ceiling, and if God was to give you a miraculous vision, if you could see through the starry skies into the very presence of God at this moment, you would see Jesus Christ in a glorified human body, glorified, sitting at the right hand of God. Why is he there? What is he waiting for? Hebrews 10 says, this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. He's waiting for the moment that he will come. He that shall come will come. It's a promise of God. And he is sitting there until his enemies, those who today do not know Jesus Christ and have rejected him as their Savior, will be made his footstool. That is the future of the Son of God. Hebrews 1 and 8, unto the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Isaiah chapter 9, it says, the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. He will rule forever. Let me stop and ask you a question. Do you know him? 
Do you know Jesus Christ? You need to get to know him if you don't know him. If you're in this meeting today and you have never bowed your knee and acknowledged Jesus Christ as the eternal son of God and accepted him as your savior, I tell you with love and with grace in my heart for you, you are in danger because he is Lord and he will reign on the earth forever. And those who are not with him are against him. And when he comes to set up his kingdom, every enemy of God will be destroyed. The future of the Son of God is to rule and to reign. And those of us who know him, we are heirs with God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and we will reign with him. That is just awesome. The future of the Son. The future of the saints. If you're sitting here today and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got a bright future. Such a bright future, you can't even comprehend it. That's what the Bible says. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has kept will reveal to those who love him. The future of the saints. Well, simply put, it is to be with him forever and ever. John chapter 14 and verse 20, Jesus said, And in that day you will know. You will know that I am in the Father and that he is in me and that you are in me. That's the future of every saint. I love those words in John 17 and 24. Hear the words of God. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, lifts his eyes into heaven and he prays this prayer. Now before I tell you what the prayer is, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's possible that any one of his prayers would not be answered? Impossible. He is God. And his prayer and his desire and his will will come to pass. And Jesus lifts his eyes to heaven and he looks at his disciples who he loves. He's about to go to the cross and he says, Father, I will that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory. Folks, that is the future of every person that has believed in Jesus Christ, to be with him, to behold his glory, as Nick read this morning, to see him as he is and to be like him. 1 John 3 and verse 2. That's the future of the saints. So if you're sitting here today and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you got everything. Everything. You have such a bright future. What's the future of sinners? What does it look like to those that are outside of Christ, that have never repented of their sins and have never trusted Jesus as their personal Savior? What does that future look like? Folks, this is not my words. 
These are the words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You can read them for yourself. Luke chapter 13. Somebody asked Jesus one day, Lord, are there few that be saved? And Jesus said, strive, strive, agonize. This is the most important thing in your life. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, many shall seek to enter in, but shall not be able. What does that mean? Stop for one second. You know the parable of uh, the sower that went out to sow seeds? Some of those seeds fell on stormy ground, people that had shallow hearts. Some of those seeds fell by the wayside, people that weren't even interested. But some of those seeds fell among thorns. And that is actually probably one of the most deceptive grounds because we're concerned about many things. The riches and the cares of this life. And as you come here today, you're probably sitting in your seat and you're probably thinking about what I got to do next week. Um, my responsibilities at school. Maybe you got a midterm this week. I don't know. Maybe you got a big challenge. Maybe you're not hitting your deadlines. Maybe you've got financial issues. Maybe you've got yada, yada, yada. Maybe you're looking for a job. There, there could be all kinds of cares of this life. And the pursuit of things. We're living in a materialistic world where people are seeking things. And those things are major distractions to the most important thing. Jesus said, strive to enter in, for many will seek to enter in, but they will be distracted. They'll be concerned about many other things. He says, when once the master of the house will rise up and shut to the door, the door is shut, and ye begin, begin to stand without and to knock on the door. Lord, Lord, open unto us. We went to church. We said the Lord's Prayer. We, we, we tried to do all these things. And he shall say in that day, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, into everlasting punishment. Folks, the future of every person that does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is a precarious, dangerous, vulnerable position to be in. I counsel you today that if you have never bowed the knee and acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and trusted him, that you need to get in a hurry to trust the Lord Jesus Christ, strive to enter in, lay everything else aside. This is the most important thing because on the last day, the only thing that will matter is am I in the kingdom of God or am I outside? Because, beloved, I have to tell you today, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. What is the future for this earth? Well, it's really interesting. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 14 to 16, you get a scene there of rich men, kings of the earth, 
poor men, free men, slave men, every description and cross-section of society that today on the streets will mock you, as we know, will make light of the gospel, will ridicule the Bible, will blaspheme Jesus Christ, and in that day, these men will tremble and they will call on the hills and the mountains to fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits upon the throne because they will be outside of Christ and they'll be lost forever. That is the future of sinners. When the Lord comes that are not ready and have not trusted Jesus Christ. What's the future of the world? We read again this morning in Hebrews chapter 1. This is amazing to me. It says that thou, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth. But God, like a garment, will fold them up. The earth will be folded up. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that the elements will melt with fervent heat. And the world that now is will be changed. And in that day, there will be no earth. But the dead, small and great, will stand before God. And the books will be opened. And every man will be judged out of the things that are written in the book. And I'm reading to you today from the book, the eternal words of the living God. The future for every believer in Jesus Christ is a very bright, blessed future. Let me just go through with you the sequence of events. How is this all going to unfold? Well, I'm going to give you the timeline for eschatology, which is simply means the study of end times. And I would say that most of us here today believe in dispensational theology. And what I'm going to share with you is what I believe from the scriptures is the timeline of future events. So today we're living in the day of grace. Do you know what that means? The word dispensation, it simply means stewardship or the way that God communicates or deals with mankind. Today... God's dealing with us in grace. And so he allows people to blaspheme his name. And they're not immediately struck down. He allows people to commit terrible atrocities of sin. And people will say, well, if God is God, why doesn't he jump in and, and save the world and, and stop all this evil? Because God is dealing with mankind today in grace. And he's giving mankind an opportunity to repent, to accept his truth, and to believe in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says that the dispensation of the grace of God, that's the mystery that was hid from the ages that God used Paul to communicate to the church. God is offering grace and mercy today. That's the day and age in which we live. And that goes from Pentecost to the rapture. That's the day of grace. People will say today, why isn't the Lord coming? 
It's been thousands of years. Well, 2 Peter chapter 3 answers that question. Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's long-suffering. He's given us a day, an opportunity to share the gospel because he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's the day and age we are living. Folks, I have to tell you, I don't know when the rapture is going to take place, but I believe it's going to happen very soon. It's going to happen very soon. Why do I think that? Look at the world in which we live. Look at the conditions. See what's happening in Israel and Syria and in the Trump administration in the White House and what's happening worldwide. The world is coming unraveled. It cannot exist much longer financially because there's more debt than there actually is cash. And what's happening is all these countries are moving this debt around and around and around. And eventually people will get so stretched that the elastic band will snap and there will be a crisis. Earthquakes. Look at the earthquakes that are happening all over the world. Jesus said these are signs of the time. The rapture is about to take place. And it will happen in a moment, in a split second. And it will trigger all the events of history. Immediately following the rapture, which we're going to look at in a second, is the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 says that for believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And every one of us will give account for the things done in the body, bad or good. And every one of us will have our reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think, is a visual of the judgment seat of Christ. When every man's work will be tried, and everything that is wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up and it will be gone, forgotten about, wasted. It will not survive the fire of the furnace of God. But everything that was done for Jesus Christ and for his people and in his name will be gold, silver, precious stone, and it will come through the fire. And then in that day, every man will have praise of God. The judgment seat of Christ, I believe, will happen in heaven immediately following the rapture. While on earth, the tribulation will occur. You get this in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. The 70th week of Daniel. Messiah is cut off and the clock of prophecy stops and the day of grace comes in, and the gospel is given to the Gentiles, and it is our day to believe on him. When the master rises up and shuts to the door, the day of grace is ended. The rapture will event. Christ will come forth, and he will come to the clouds, to the air, and he will call his people home, and every person who has believed in Jesus Christ will be snatched up and the rapture will occur. There will be terrible times on this earth. What is referred to as the day of the Lord. 19 times in the Old Testament, this phrase is the day of the Lord. It refers to the judgment, the vengeance of God that will break forth upon this earth for the judgment of sin. It is the wrath of God. 
And it says clearly in the scriptures that this will occur. At the end of the rapture, the Lord himself will come out of heaven with the angels and with his saints. Where do you get that? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says that he will come in power and great glory with his angels, taking vengeance on them that know not God and have obeyed not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the day when God will no longer deal in grace. He will deal in judgment. And Israel, that wonderful little nation with tremendous purpose that God has for it, will be battled and rifled and almost become extinct. And just before Israel is destroyed, the Lord himself will come to his people. And he will rescue Israel. And there will be the battle of Armageddon. The plains of Jezreel, Megiddo, the mountain, it's there today. Some of us have visited it. What a scary thing to stand and look at that valley and realize that there is yet a battle that will be fought. It won't be much of a battle. It will be the Lord God Almighty destroying the nations of the earth that have risen up against Israel. And they will be put down. And there will be a glorious future for the nation of Israel. And a nation will be born in a day. Israel will finally realize Isaiah 53, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He is our Messiah. They shall look on him whom they pierced and all the kindreds of the world will wail because of him. They will mourn for him as an only son and they will have tremendous remorse and regret and repentance to think that they rejected their Messiah. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and all the nations of the earth will wail because of him. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am he that was, that is, and is to come. I am he that liveth, was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. The manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from the Mount of Olives. If you read Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, it says that he himself will come down from heaven and his feet will hit Mount Olivet and it will open, cleave in two, and there will be a waterway that will come right in to the nation of Israel. Jesus Christ will descend that mountain and he will go through the eastern gate that has been closed for centuries. And Islam says a holy man will never walk through. And so they put graves in front of it. It will open. Jesus Christ will go through the eastern gate. And he will sit on a literal throne and he will reign for a thousand years. And in that day, beloved, you and I will reign with him forever. We will be there. If you have believed on him as your personal savior, you will be there. If not, you will be destroyed. 
There will be a thousand years millennium reign of Christ. How do we know? Revelation chapter 20 and verse 6. In fact, it says seven times in the Bible that there's going to be a thousand year reign of Christ. We believe that that's literal. Then there will be, at the end of that thousand years, another battle. And all evil will be totally destroyed. And the earth itself will melt with fervent heat. The elements will just dissolve. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And all the dead that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior will be raised. And they will stand before God. And they will be judged in their sins. And whosoever's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Not my words. These are the words of God. And he finishes the scripture with these profound, awesome words. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. And we say, Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? I want to share with you the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14, I want to read you these words. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14. For if we believe, and that if is since, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also, those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this I say unto you that the word of the Lord shall not for this I say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The Lord himself, himself, not an angel. He's not gonna send a servant, hey, go get my people. No. The Lord himself, what did he say in John chapter 14 and verse three? He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. I want you to picture this for a moment. Just, just get this vision. What will this be like? When the Lord of glory gets up off his throne and descends to the atmospheric heavens, and one day, you're going to be driving down the road, you're going to be doing an exam, you're going to be on an airplane, you're going to be cooking in your kitchen. You're going to be sleeping in your bed. And everything is going to change. Like that. Everything is going to change. Acts chapter 1 and verse 11. These are the words of God. This same Jesus, whom ye have seen go, will so come in like manner. What's he going to do? He's going to receive you unto himself. 
that where he is, you will be also. I want you to notice that in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16, there are three sounds. Three. I don't know if you noticed this before or not. The first sound is, there is the shout. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. What's that? I looked it up because I, I didn't know what it was. It's a military command. And in the original, it means attention. Folks, God is going to get your attention. It doesn't matter what you're doing on that day. You're going to stop. It doesn't matter where you are. If you are his, there's going to be a call, a shout from the Lord himself. Attention. Believers will hear his voice. You might be sitting next to an unbeliever. He's not going to know what happened. He's not going to hear anything. But you, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to hear his voice. He's going to call you. John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The voice of the archangel. Who's this? Could we say Michael? Jude chapter 9 says that he is the archangel. Jude verse 9, who contended with Satan over the body of Moses. Whatever that means. He is the defender. He is the one who goes ahead and engages in conflict with Satan. You see, Satan used to be the god of this age. But everything changed at the cross. He no longer has dominion. And when Christ comes, he's going to call. And all that are in the graves. John chapter 5 and verse 27. All that are in the graves will hear his voice, and they will come forth. It doesn't matter if your body's been cremated. It doesn't matter if your body's never been found. It doesn't matter if you are in the Atlantic Ocean. Wherever that body is, you will hear his voice, and you will respond. The voice of God, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. What is this? It's a battle cry. It is a cry of victory. When Israel as a nation won a warfare, what they do is they blew the trumpet. It's over. That's what it means. Folks, this is the year of Jubilee. Okay, this is why I wanted to sing this song. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. It's the year of Jubilee. I just read through Leviticus chapter 25. I know it's a, it's a tough slog, but read Leviticus chapter 25. You know what it says in Leviticus chapter 25? It's the year of Jubilee. What in the world is that? Here's what's going to happen at the year of Jubilee. All the property will be returned to the rightful owner. Catch this. All the property of all the earth will be returned to the rightful owner. Who's the rightful owner of earth? It is Jesus Christ. It is God Almighty. And all the property is to be returned to the rightful owner. Here's another thing. All the debts will be paid. Praise God. At the rapture, there will be no debt. Hey, if you got debt today and the rapture comes, your debt's gone. 
It's over. The trumpet will sound. This is the year of jubilee. All property is returned to the rightful owner. All debts are paid, and all slaves are set free. Do you know what's going to happen, folks? I, I wish I could communicate this to you better. The Lord himself is going to appear in the clouds. He's going to shout, and the graves are going to open and if you have loved ones today that have gone before, died in Christ, they will hear the voice of God and they will rise immediately. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. It's over. The battle is done. No more slogging out in this world because it's the year of Jubilee and Christ has come. We shall all be changed in a moment. The dead in Christ will rise first. You know, I get a visual of this in John chapter 11. Mary and Martha are all upset, rightly so. Their, their brother has died and Jesus says, show me the grave. And they take him to the grave, and he says, roll away the stone. And they said, Lord, this is, this is bad. By now he stinks. They, he said, roll away the stone. And the stone is rolled away. And it says, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Who is this? This is God Almighty. And he, he did that to show us what will happen at the resurrection. John chapter 5, you should read it. Marvel not at this. The hour cometh when all that are in the graves will hear his voice. And they shall be raised. How do we know that we're going to be raised? Because Christ was raised from the dead. Because I live, ye shall live also. He's the first fruits of all them that slept. And he is the guarantee of a harvest that will come. Because he lives, we shall live also. Beloved, this is going to happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Before you can close your eyelid, it's going to be all over. That is amazing. And then it says, that's where you get the word rapture, where it says, they that remain shall be caught up. And that word is snatched up. Rapture is not in the Bible, as far as the word goes. But the teaching and the truth is right here. Those that are alive and remain and have believed in Jesus Christ will be snatched up. Just like metal, filings of metal to a magnet. They'll be gone like that in a second. And then it says, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Why is that? We shall all be together. I'm going to say this. Probably for the very first time, the entire church will be united together in one body 
as the bride of Christ. And there will be no denominations. And there will be no differences. And there will be no bickering over tenses of verbs or theology. We will be together with Christ forever with the Lord. And there will be no more flesh. Then in that day it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And Paul says that he looks forward to that day when he will take off this body of corruption and put on this body of glory to be glorified like the Lord Jesus Christ. The change and the challenge. So what's going to change? The dead in Christ are going to be raised. The alive in Christ, they will put on a glorified body. Corruption, flesh that perishes, will all be changed. And it will put on incorruption, never to perish. You're living in a body that has an expiry date. A mortal body. This mortal shall put on immortality. That is amazing. And death will be swallowed up in victory. And we will be forever with the Lord. That's the change. Okay, I have to wrap this up and I'm going to close with this. Here's my challenge to you. Every one of you, starting with myself, are you ready? Are you ready for this event? If the Lord was to come today, are you ready to go? Folks, you need to be ready. You need to be ready. Because the Lord is coming. It is absolutely certain. Cannot be refuted. Cannot be denied. The Lord is coming. And there will be a great change. There will be crowns that God will give out. Rewards for faithfulness. Righteousness will reign. There will be righteous judgment. Are you ready for this great event? I just want to counsel you today and say this. If you're not ready, please get ready. Please get ready today. Please acknowledge your sin before God and bow your knee and trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because he's coming. And when that event happens, I want all of us to be there, clothed in those garments of salvation, with that new body, glorified, risen with Christ, and forever one in the Lord. I trust that today, every one of us will search our own hearts, and if we're not ready, get ready, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, that we can consider the word of God Challenge our hearts today, we pray, with this great fundamental truth that the Lord is coming. And even as he said, uh, I will come again unto you, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Every one of us, Lord, that know him as our Savior, may we walk out of here today encouraged. May we walk out of here today just built up, strengthened in our faith with this awesome expectation that the year of Jubilee, that moment when Christ will come, is just around the corner. And so, Lord, it says that everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. Part us with your blessing, we pray, 
as we give thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.